where's the best place to buy tires? Where's the best repair shop for my hybrid? Questions about your car? Drive into Dobbs. With more than 40 locations, our team of technicians will get the job done right the first time. For deals you can use, click on gotodobbs.com now. Cheap, cheap, fun, fun. Spring is in the air and Dirt Cheap is in your neighborhood ready to deliver the perfect drinks to your doorstep. That's right. All of Dirt Cheap's convenient locations now offer delivery of their wide selections of beers, wines, and all the spirits you need. And if you're like me, nothing hits better in the springtime than a nice weeded bourbon. Ask the friendly staff at Dirt Cheap about their selection of weeders like Maker's Mark, Larceny, and so many others. Download the Dirt Cheap app and order curbside or delivery. Have fun, but be careful out there. Time now for the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yes, yes. Welcome in. It's Balloon Party driven by Munganas, St. Louis Acura, Alton Toyota. Tim McKernan, Action Jackson on 101 ESPN and on YouTube. Come on in to YouTube. Tiny PP. He wears the C on his sweater. He does. Just like who does for the St. Louis Blues? Braden Shen. <sighs> I feel like I'm doing a show with Jamie Rivers now. You know, I, I can understand why you'd say that, because I, I think I unofficially finished second for Jamie's analyst job. I agree with that. I think that's the consensus yeah. among broadcast analysts. You're not going to see that reported anywhere, but you're just going to you're gonna have to take uh, the truth where it comes, and that's from me. And so yes. what I like to say is, uh, yeah, it was great hearing Jamie on the game. I thought he was outstanding. I loved listening to him. Oh, you guys have this alliance now. I need to form an alliance here with somebody. Because I don't like that you have an alliance. I've, I've, I've aligned with Kerry Davis. That's who I should align with? Super right. Bowl champion. Great guy. Kerry, right. you're in my alliance now. Oh. Hope that's cool. Just Kerry one-two punch if I've ever heard one. Yeah, it is. I'm very dangerous. Jackson, uh, the Blues lose last night in a shootout. Did you watch the game? I did. I did. I watched the game in its entirety. I'm going to fold. I think you're telling the truth. I did. I watched, I watched the entire game. What did you watch on that Bailey's app? Yeah, it's so lovely. I watched as well. Uh, wow, I guess we can talk about a Blues game together. How do you like that? Uh, Get used to your, it. Yeah. What are your thoughts, Jackson Burkett, on the Blues game? Well, first and foremost, Bennington looked outstanding last nice. night. That's accurate. He I really did. That. I mean, he kept that thing from uh, from going away in, in regulation and getting a point. I was watching it, and I was thinking to myself, oh boy, with about like... Eight minutes left. Let's just try to get this uh, horse in the barn with getting a point. Right. That's how I was thinking. The ice had tilted after the first and second periods where you're going, okay, maybe we can get two. You're going, oh, it's probably going to work out. I don't know what happened that transpired that way. Craig Berube was a little critical, didn't think that it was necessarily great play in the third period. But, uh, you know, they're implementing this new defensive system, which Jeremy Rutherford details in his story this morning on The Athletic. And they were able to execute it. And what really killed the Blues in 2022, 2023 were those clear looks that the opposition had in their own zone. And then also, my God, the second chance goals that were just sitting on the doorstep with nobody around. And so, well, now we're dividing their own zone and uh, quadrants, and they were able to execute it last night for the most part. And, uh, and then right after, they gave up a kind of a rough goal to start the second period. Uh, oh, look. There's old Tyler Tucker. Yeah. I like Tyler Tucker. Well, I liked it because he, uh, he tied things up, and that's the way things stood until the shootout also dodged some bullets in the overtime, overtime period. yeah. And I'm thinking, well, hell, I'll take my chances in a shootout against a team that's thought to be in the mix to win the Stanley Cup. 
did not work out. Certainly would like to see Jordan Cairo get a shot off. And alas, the Blues get one point. So from a big picture perspective, I'll take it. You get to a shootout, it would would have been it would have felt really nice to take two points out of Dallas in your first game. Absolutely, yeah. Jamie Rivers on the after the game said heartbreaker. You know, you, you think getting one point out of there ain't bad, but you would have liked to come away with two. Now, I know a complaint last year towards the middle of the season was like effort stuff like that was getting called out. And from what I saw last night, and granted, hockey novice over here. But yeah, but but you know what? You're trending right now. And I feel everybody's like kind of talking about it in the market. I really felt like the effort was there in a, in a major way. I mean, Nick Letty was out there diving in front of pucks, Sunquist diving in front of pucks. And when you have a new captain, probably a little bit of change in culture in the, in the locker room. It's good to see in the first game that the effort, from at least my perspective, was certainly there. Uh, Robert Thomas had a couple of glorious scoring opportunities that he was not able to convert. So from that standpoint, you go, God, if you could just get one of those, you can get two points and then head home and go, holy crap, we beat one of the best teams in the Western Conference in their building to start the season. Let's build off that momentum. And then on the other side of it, you go, oh my God, Jordan Bennington saved like five shots that could have really been legitimate goals. And so how fortunate are the Blues to get one point? So it cuts both ways. Bottom line, overall, defensively, it was an improved performance, albeit in one game out of 82. That's my biggest takeaway. And that, that is with a team that you will most likely see near the top of the Central, uh, if not the top of the Central, when this thing wraps up in in April. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, Dallas, they were, I mean, they're obviously very solid. But yeah, the Blues hung with them. It wasn't a, it was a physical game. And I liked watching. I did. I actually did enjoy, I'll tell you what, that overtime hockey, that's good stuff right there. You like, you like the three on three. That, if they did, if that was the entire game, then you'd really have me sinking in because that was like high octane. I know it's absolutely, it gasses guys, but it is outstanding to watch. It is. It was a lot of fun. It can be maddening yeah. uh, as well. I mean, it happens quick, fast, in a hurry. And, and sometimes when you take the chance to go on the rush, well, then that means you're down at that end, and here comes the opposition. A little that, uh, that happened last week, last year, I should say, against the uh, the Leafs with a giveaway when the Blues were on the attack. I think Tarasenko gave it away, actually. And, uh, and alas, uh, the, the Leafs were able to immediately convert on the other end. It goes very quickly. Uh, yeah, that's why you don't see too many shootouts relative to how many overtime games there are. But that was credit to Jordan Biddington for what he was able to do to keep that thing where it was. And unfortunately, the Blues weren't able to win the shootout. Had their problems in shootouts and uh, weren't able to get that one. But they get a point. And again, even if they would have lost the game and not gotten a point, I would have said, oh, you can see improvement defensively. And that really, from my standpoint, kind of like going into this season with the Cardinals pitching, that's what you circled. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one box checked. You didn't get two points, but one box checked. Gabe Yarman is going to be with us at 10.15 on the program. Uh, he is with us every Friday on uh, Balloon Party driven by Munganess, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota. Gabe is presented by James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. And we'll get his perspective not only on Missouri and Kentucky tomorrow night at 6.30 in Lexington, an absolutely huge game. I would say it is next to the Kansas State game when you were looking at the schedule, the most pivotal game on the schedule as far as setting a tone, K-State for the season, Kentucky for the SEC portion of the schedule. Yeah, the LSU game would have been like a like a nice little banana split to have. 
but the uh, the Kentucky game is certainly one. Of how's those. it? How is it like a banana split? Well, if you win that game, you know it's like a dessert. Like you finished, you you were five and zero going into the game. Then you'd be having dessert before your meal, and you know that would make you a bad boy. Right. I kind of look at the season in uh, in kind of trimesters. Do you? Yeah. Even though the math doesn't work out in that way, no, but, it does. Well, because well, and also because he kind of plays some some butt asses in the uh, first part of the schedule. Wow. South Dakota alumni text in three one four three nine 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 six four six. Yeah, Air can, comfort service text line. You can kind of lump in South Dakota, Middle Tennessee State together, and so when I look at it in trimesters, the end of that trimester was LSU, and you you eaten you finished your 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 dinner, you finished your meat. But wouldn't and potatoes. that be the end of the semester? Because it's then there's two. Well, then this is uh, the third trimester comes uh, late. Oh, God. What are we doing? The math is hurting my head. Listen, I didn't really oh, flush out this take. Sail ships on the seas. Sail ships on the seas. Calm waters. Calm waters. It would have been nice this to have an LSU game. A tough downhill left to right putt yeah. on a public course, of course. <laughs> it would have been nice to have the LSU game. Granted, you, you, would, have, you would have loved to come away with Which it. Which would you have didn't. been the end of the first semester since there are 12 games, and that's the sixth game. Right, but again, lumping. There's a there's a lumping process. Uh, Sail ships on the seas, calm waters. We'll call it semester. So at the end of the semester, <sighs> the banana split. What a relief. The banana split would have been nice to have. This this uh, Kentucky game is like you got to finish this. You got to win this. You basically got to run the table if you want to have that dream season. But the Kentucky- of defeating Georgia and Athens, then taking on. Roll Todd in Atlanta. Yeah, take beat Roll Todd. Or a rematch with Brian Kelly, and he would call it Missouri's homecoming again, even though it's right. Atlanta. Right, and then you take on Ryan Day in Ohio State. In the semis, yeah. and then you beat... Washington. Oh. Yeah, a little Pac-12 action. Wow. The Pac-12's final stand. Wow. So they get Ryan Day... And then they get Washington, Missouri, Washington, national championship. What kind of odds would you get on that matchup? How would the viewership be? Strong. <laughs> Quite strong. Yeah. Uh, Gabe is joining us next. Then we have this Little Piddles Friday Six Shooter presented by Angry Beaver. There is your captain's log for today's edition of Balloon Party, driven by Munganass, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN and on YouTube. Back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. We're talking Tigers football with Gabe DeArmond of PowerMizzou.com. Brought to you by James Carlton of State Farm. Mention Mizzou to James when you request a quote, and he'll donate $20 to Mizzou's preferred NIL on your behalf. CarltonInsurance.net. Welcome back to Little Party 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan and Action Jackson with you on the program. Watch on YouTube. We look like we're cute. As a matter of fact, so much so uh, via these uh, Air Alliance team cameras, and I'm shot through a filter like Sybil Shepard on Moonlighting, but somebody took the time to send me an email. Sent me an email because we have the text line, Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646, the YouTube chat, and then you can leave a mic drop. But this gentleman, Tim, it looks like Jackson lost weight. He's looking sleek. That comes from Bill. Thanks, Bill. Appreciate and that. And thank you for sending the email to me. Yeah, I don't know. I, you know, my I just sent it to me, but either way, I appreciate it. Well, maybe I'll forward it to you so you and Bill can get to know each other. Just like me and the Colonel have known each other for 25 years. Ladies and gentlemen, we welcome to the program brought to you by James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency online at carltoninsurance.net. He's my insurance agent, Gabe DeArmond. Morning, Colonel. What's up, guys? How are you? We're we're in a really good place, and I think you're in a really good place yeah. because my guess is you're not going to Lexington. 
I am not. Yes. No, it is uh, beyond the two-mile radius from which I generally <laughs> attempt to venture from my house. God, we're on the same page. I do that. That's my same plan at this point, too. What the hell are we doing? I like it that way, though. Uh, Colonel, I want. I, I got. I got three parts to this interview, and I might throw a fourth in there because I want to go Ryder Cupping with you since you're back from Italy in the Ryder Cup. But I've got recruiting. I've got injuries for the Missouri-Kentucky game, and then I've got the Missouri-Kentucky game itself. So, um, Jackson, it's Sadie Hawkins, and, and since you're looking sleek and Bill is sending me emails about your body, which is so great to get, it is. you get to pick what topic we start with. I am most interested in uh, the injury report and how that will affect the game against Kentucky. Yeah, I mean, Jackson was telling me, Gabe, that he heard that Cody Schrader wasn't going to play, and that, that and I'm going, oh, is that, where's that coming from? But now you're not, I mean, that's not necessarily what's going on. We know he's got a little beat-up situation. Yeah, Drinkwood said on Tuesday he was questionable at best. Um, Cody pulled his quad the week before the LSU game and then went out and ran for 115 yards and three touchdowns. Um, I I think that is gamesmanship, like, hey, he might not play. I think he'll play. He was at practice on Tuesday. I I would be surprised if he's not out there. There you go. You feel better, Jackson? A lot better. We didn't. We didn't, I think, get an injury report this week, though. We usually do, and I don't think we received one unless I just missed it, which is interesting. Yeah, there you go. Uh, any other injuries of note? Rakestraw's not playing, right? He's out. Uh, Rakestraw's not playing. He's got a groin injury he's been dealing with. Uh, Darius Robinson's been dealing with a calf, but he played and played well last week. Uh, Makai Miller has been out. But expect him back. Uh, Pena Houston, who's a backup receiver, hasn't played all year. We don't really know what's going on, but I, I don't think he'll play. But other than Ennis Rakestraw, I expect Missouri to have everybody out there. All right. Very good. So then that sets the stage for uh, part two of the conversation, which is the actual matchup itself. Uh, this, I would gather, Gabe, falls into your category preseason of one of the coin flip games. I would put it up there as far as importance in the SEC schedule near the top, if not the top, in the K-State non-conference game being at the top of the non-conference schedule, uh, because this really sets the tone for the SEC East if you can get this one, and then opens up uh, what you can do with the remaining five games. So, your perspective on the importance of this game. Whereas I think we talked about LSU kind of being free free roll. If you want it, great, but it doesn't knock you off from your goals if you don't. This one, how do you how do you portray this one? Yeah, I mean, these teams have played 11 times since Missouri joined the SEC. The winner of this game has finished ahead of the loser in the standings 11 times. Wow. Uh, it is a separation. You know, sometimes they've been tied and it's just a tiebreaker, but it's a separation game without question. I think the winner of this game, especially if it's Missouri, because Missouri hasn't played Georgia yet, can still talk about winning the SEC East. You know, uh, the, and, and I think at worst probably then is in position to be a top three team in the division. If you lose this game, you're looking at really probably fighting for, you know, fourth with Florida and South Carolina in the division. Um, I, I mean, things can change. There's five, six games to go, but I, I think that's a realistic out, outlook on this weekend. How does this Kentucky team match up with this Missouri team? On the surface, it strikes me as two contrasting styles. What does your analysis tell you? Yeah, it's strength versus weakness, I, I think, in in – different situations. Missouri's got a better offense. Kentucky so far has had a better defense. Um, Kentucky 
wants to run the ball offensively. They, I looked at the numbers for Devin Leary this year, who ironically was a kid that Missouri fans really wanted Drinkwitz to chase in the portal. He signed Leary at North Carolina State and coached him for a year. Uh, and Missouri fans really wanted him to go after. Leary was considered one of the top two or three quarterbacks in the portal. His numbers this year are virtually identical and actually a little bit worse than Brady Cook's were last year. Um, you know, and that was obviously a quarterback performance that had Missouri fans begging for someone else to play quarterback. So it hasn't worked in the Kentucky passing game. They've got two sophomore receivers who last year as freshmen were actually both better than Luther Burden was as a freshman, but that hasn't translated. Their entire offense has basically been Vandy transfer running back Ray Davis, who leads the SEC in rushing. Thanks in large part to 250 yards against Florida. Um, so if you can stop or slow down the Kentucky run game, I don't see how they score enough points to keep up with Missouri if Missouri can do what it's been doing offensively. Right, and that is, of course, the key in how they will respond to last week. Of course, Kentucky has to respond to what took place in Athens last week. Uh, what, what have you noticed uh, with regards to both uh, the players and the coaches' comments following the LSU game and then throughout this week? with uh with mindset uh reading some of the uh columns on power mizzou uh it strikes me as noticeable that uh that Eli drinkwitz has been in, in relatively speaking good spirits uh because uh sometimes after wins he might not necessarily be in good spirits yeah. but but maybe shows a sense of confidence i i don't know uh what is what is your uh reporting tell you on that well, it's really interesting covering him over the last four years. Like when you think, oh, we might get cranky Eli today. This might not be very good. He's usually really good and generally pretty upbeat. And when you think, hey, he's probably pretty happy and things are going well, it's generally the opposite. He doesn't say much and and seems to be put off with having to do the whole thing. So I think that probably has to do with kind of keeping his team grounded and in the middle. He said after the game, you know, hey, we've been living on the edge with some things and they caught up with us today. So I I thought that was, when you look back at it, we probably ignored some things that Missouri was doing because they were 5-0 and and those things didn't hurt them. Uh, But in hindsight, maybe we should have paid a little more attention to a few of those things, especially the penalties and, you know, some of the defensive issues. Uh, So I I think they're in a good spot. I mean, you never know how a team's going to react. These are 21-year-old kids, right? I mean, Missouri could look at last week. I think Drink said they're disappointed but not devastated. So they could look at last week the way I look at it, which is, hey, you took a top 10, 15 team down to the last two minutes, and you just didn't make quite enough plays. in the end. They, they made more than you did, and you didn't lose a lot. Now, it's also possible that there's a little hangover effect from that game, right? And then you look at the Kentucky side. Does Kentucky go – Oh, we thought we were like, there were a lot of Kentucky people that thought this was their year to catch Georgia and Georgia clearly came out with a point to prove and wasn't going to let that happen. That game was over mid second quarter. So does that knock Kentucky back and say, well, same old, same old, you know, upside eight and four, nine and three. And what are we, we're just kind of treading water. Or is that almost one of those losses where it was so bad and it was over so early that Mark Stoops just kind of flipped the page at halftime and they're like, all right, this one's over. Forget it. Throw the tape away. Bury it. Let's go on. We've now got the action because so often those teams that are like Kentucky and Missouri, which, you know, good teams hoping to be have good seasons, but maybe not in the conversation with the Georgias and the Ohio States and teams like that. 
you set your sights on, we want to catch number one, when realistically the games that are always going to determine seasons for teams like Missouri and Kentucky are the other one, South Carolina, Florida. You know, those are the games that determine how good your season is. The Georgia game is almost one that you go in going, eh, I mean, that's probably a loss, but maybe things – all line up and, and we get it, but that's not one we're counting on. Uh, I, I am. I'm curious with you having covered the team for as long as you have, if you got a sense in 2007 when you knew that that was something special, uh, 2013 the same way. Because um, because oddly enough for me, it was after they lost to Oklahoma in Norman in 2007 that I'm like, holy crap, I think this team's really good, even though it was odd because they were coming off a loss, but they didn't really get blown off the field. And then I saw a pathway for them to have a good season because of the way the schedule shook out, and I saw there was a good chance Kansas would be undefeated when they played at Arrowhead Stadium, which would actually benefit Missouri in a weird way because then they could beat a team that was perceived to be a really, really good team. This year, I still feel like I'm not sure. I think K-State getting beat up by Oklahoma State stands out as going, okay, well, maybe that wasn't as good. I do feel like they beat LSU about 50% of the time if they replay them. And at the same time, if they lost by a few touchdowns tomorrow, it wouldn't necessarily shock me. And if they won by a few touchdowns tomorrow, it wouldn't shock me. I still am not sure where they are. Do you have an idea of where you think this team is? Not quite yet. And I think, I, I mean, I think if Kansas State doesn't lose to Oklahoma State, Missouri still would have been ranked this week. Like, I think that huh, okay. damaged the perception of Missouri. And, and I think it's also hurt that LSU does have two losses and that even though they are a really good team, they're not the, the national title contender that, that some people thought. Um, 2007, I've, I've told this story quite a bit, and I, it, it almost, I wish I never would have said it publicly because now every year in fall camp, people ask me this, but in 2007, like I had picked that team nine and three. And I remember I was at a practice or a recruiting camp or something. And after practice, uh, Martin Rucker and Lorenzo Williams walked up to me and Lorenzo goes, Gabe, we ain't losing three games. (laughs) We're not losing three times this year. They knew, like they knew they were good Mm. and they knew what they had. And 11 and 1, 12 and 1 surprised a lot of us. It didn't surprise them. 2013 was a little bit different. I think Missouri thought they were good and they thought 2012 was all due to injuries and all that, but there was a lot of negativity around that team. I mean, there were a lot of people that thought Gary was coaching for his job in yeah, 2013. Yeah. And, you know, both. Both seasons were really interesting in that they lost that one game. It was Oklahoma in 07 and, and South Carolina on the heartbreaker in, in 13. And then they were in a position where every single week they knew, like there was another team out there with Kansas in 07 and, and South Carolina in 13. They knew if they lost another game, they were done as far as the division went. And so that team was on every game was the biggest game of the season. You know, because they knew if they lost that that what they wanted was probably off the table. This one, I mean, I guess it you could view it that way and the fact that Georgia's out there. But again, does anybody is anybody really talking at this point about Missouri as a team that's going to push Georgia and be in that? Uh, be in that East title race? I don't think so. I mean, they might if they're seven and one going to Athens, then we have that discussion. But Missouri's got a couple weeks where they've got to prove some things before we really can have that conversation. Me, me and Jackson are talking about it. Yeah. Well, good for you guys. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> um, I don't think in general we're having that conversation. You're talking about serious, respected people. That's what you're trying to say. Yeah, we're dreamers, right? 
Yeah, pretty much. That's my point. (laughs) (laughs) Colonel, before we let you go, big news in the world of recruiting uh, for Missouri fans with uh, Ryan Wingo. And uh, it was a huge weekend this past Saturday, even though it was a loss on the field recruiting wise, it may have been a win. What can you share with the audience regarding the latest on Wingo and CBC's McClellan? Well, the tide has really turned on Ryan Wingo in the last 48 hours. There's, I mean, everybody who covers this is now saying, hey, this this looks good for Missouri. Uh, the wide receivers coach sent out a pretty cryptic tweet last night with like some locker room celebration that uh, made it, you know, made a lot of people think this is related to Ryan Wingo. Uh, right now, he's still saying he's going to decide on December 20th. Uh, we'll see if that moves up. I think it's it's definitely good news for Missouri. Right now, I'm I'm expecting Missouri to be the choice for Wingo at some point in the next you know month or so. Uh, but we'll we'll see how it goes. McClellan, uh, most people think getting Wingo uh, with Williams Winery already on board would would be a big help. He was in town last weekend and didn't try to hide it from anybody, anything like that. So that was interesting. He goes to Columbus next week for a visit to Ohio State. We know how these things go, right? This happened, I think, with Jeremy Macklin at Oklahoma. And when you're committed to a school of that level, sometimes when you go on a visit there, it's pretty easy for the coaches to say, all right, man, we got to know. Like, no more visits, no more talking to other people. Um, what's the situation? And that can go one of two ways. Either it can be, okay, no, I'm good. I'm locked in. I'm going to shut it down. Or they can say, well, I'm just not sure. And I want to keep looking. And then a lot of times if they keep looking, those schools say, okay, well, cool. But like, you're not, we're not considering you committed. We're trying to find somebody else for your spot. So um, I, I think getting Wingo would, would help Missouri with McClellan. If they do that, they've got three of the top four kids in the state. That hasn't happened since 2010. Um, I, I maintain if they get those three kids, regardless of what the rest of the class is, it's the best class in school history because just three top 100 guys would would be a heck of a statement for Eli Drinkwitz, especially you know considering the conversations we were having two months ago. Yeah, and and then on the other side of things, and this is going to activate Jackson, uh, the work Dennis Gates is doing. Uh, as well with regards to recruiting and the momentum of that program. Anything new on the uh, five-star Jackson? His name is Quaintance. Quaintance. Thank you. Um, He is at Florida this weekend. He will be at Kentucky next weekend. It's those two, Missouri, Ohio State, and the G-Night program, which I actually consider maybe Missouri's biggest competition there, but you can't write off Kentucky. I mean, Kentucky is, is definitely competition. So, I, and, and nobody really knows when to expect that he's going to do something. Um, could be, you know, shortly after that Kentucky visit. Uh, and he also is a good enough player that he could wait till spring if he wants to. There it is. Gabe DeArmond, you can read more every day throughout the day with the Colonel. He interacts with his people. He's a man of the people. He is. He's, he's not engaging. A, he is. Well, he's a proletariat. He's not like a noble. Right, like me. Right. Thank Co- you for coastal saying Coastal elite. Coastal elite. Jackson. Gabe, you're a man of the people. I'm proud of you. You haven't let superstardom go to your head, even though you spent time in Italy with all of the other nobles at the Ryder Cup. Yeah, yeah, I try to uh, remain, uh, you know, connected to (laughs) to my roots here in the Show Me State. Thank you. Wow. So endearing. You should run for office. Colonel, thank you so much, uh, and enjoy the festivities uh, tomorrow night, Missouri and Kentucky. Thanks, Gabe. Sounds good, guys. Have a good one. There he is. That's the great Gabriel P. DeArmond of PowerMizzou.com, brought to you by James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency.
love the Colonel. Every Can't day. get it off the Colonel. That's great. It gets. It's like my fix. You're bleeding black and gold over there. Big time. Do you have a Dennis Gates altar built in your chateau? Not yet. One more year. One more year. One and then more year built. before that. Yeah. The five star reason I wasn't so quick with his names. I do not. I. I don't think. That's in the cards. Oh, wow. Look at Debbie Downer over there. What's up, Rachel Dratch? Uh, with, G- <laughs> wow. with with G League Ignite, that's a that's a tough competition. They pay good money, and Scoot Henderson just went number two overall. If you're a kid, I don't blame you for looking towards that. And I think that's the new model. All right, fair enough. Jackson raining on our parade here. That's what he does, though. No, that's Gates has gotten a great stable of players. You know, right now, they're number one class in the nation for 2024, so nothing but great things to say. If he can get them, I mean, I'll be maybe the altar we build early. You will build the altar. All right, I'll build the altar to you if we have a good Little Piddles Friday sit shooter brought to you by Angry Beaver. It's next on Balloon Party on 101 ESPN and on YouTube. This episode is brought to you by Skinny Pop Popcorn. Perfectly popped, endlessly delicious. Oh, so light and crunchy. Skinny Pop Original Popcorn is the snack you've been searching for. Made with just three simple ingredients, popcorn kernels, sunflower oil, and salt. Snacking never felt or tasted so good. Perfectly popped, endlessly delicious. Give yourself permission to snack and pick up Skinny Pop Original Popcorn today. The world isn't wide enough. Get immersed in the expansive views of the 48-inch customizable panoramic display in the all-new 2024 Lincoln Nautilus Hybrid. Explore more at Lincoln.com. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Check with your local retailer for current information. Lincoln and Nautilus are trademarks of Ford or its affiliates. Right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. This is Balloon Party 101 ESPN. It's driven by Munganess. St. Louis Acura, Alton Toyota. That's where I get my cars. Why don't you get your cars there? Do it. Yeah. StLouisAcura.com, AltonToyota.com. Uh, you can watch us on YouTube. The people are talking it over in there, Jackson. Did you go in there and interact with them? Uh, not much. Kind of locked in. But um, a pastry chef named Mesfin said, Jackson, would you golf topless with Busted Jack? Be honest. Um, no, I wouldn't golf topless with anybody. You know, I like to keep my shirt on. I got a really pale chest, as you can imagine. And so I'll just save everybody the, uh, you know, the, the pain in their eyes. You have wisps hair on there, boy? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I've, I've described it as like a, like a little uh, South City backyard, you know, just nice and square. Wow. Yesterday it was the Irish, and now it's my neighborhood. Well, it's not what necessarily. What is the deal? It's not really. I built like a lot of the backyards in South Sea are just square. Well, sorry we all didn't grow up in Ladue with acreage. <laughs> I'm not saying. It's not. They're nice backyards. They're just very square and uniform. I like that. And so my chest hair follows suit. It's like an homage. If anything, it's a compliment. But someone from Ladue would, would shorn their chest hair to look like a South City backyard. It's tough. All right, let's do this little piddle six shooter because I'm now in a very bad place. Well, I didn't mean very it. bad. First the potato famine thing yesterday, and now my backyard. <laughs> but you know, it was good enough for me. We didn't know any better. We didn't know. We didn't know that Burroughs and MICDS and Horton Watkins existed. We were focused on winning at St. Joan of Arc and Our Lady of Sorrows. You know, lunch yeah. pail, meat and potatoes. Yeah. Oh, listen, I I hear you. I, I'm, I like to think of myself as somewhat meat and potatoes. No. But with like your, a, like a your creme brulee with like a little sage on you there. You can never be meat and potatoes. Yeah, maybe with some capers. Thank All right, you. question one. Question one. 
We've talked before about coaches and players doing the canned answer thing, similar to what Kevin Costner told Tim Robbins in the film Bill, uh, Bill, 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 Bill Durham. Durham. Wow. That's, the, uh, that's the sequel, Bill Durham. <laughs> Freudian slip there. Uh, in the film Bull Durham. Are there certain I moments- enjoyed Bill Durham. Plot was a little slow. <laughs> Right. But then once he changed his name, right. that I was, thought that's when it really picked up. Bill Durham was the uh, straight-to-DVD sequel. <laughs> and it was really good. Check it out. Are there certain moments or situations where you prefer the canned answers and others where you prefer some more earnest response? Whoever wants the canned answers. Well, I think in situations of controversy, uh, when you could... No, I, I'm, I always want to be entertained. I'm from the George Carlin school right. of let's watch it burn down, but... If I'm the one giving the answers about something that I operate, oh, it's Canned Answer City. Right. So I understand the reason for the canned answers. But yeah, give me, give me losing your mind. Like Nick Cassianos last night, angry as a hornet at former Channel 5 reporter and anchor Matt Weiner. The hell was that about? Yeah, that's good stuff is what that was. Um, here, I'll give you an example of where right. I can't. So, and I think you've talked about this before. Craig Berube, after the hand pass situation against San Jose. Brilliant. Masterful. Right. That was a a situation where he could have lost his mind, could have gone very, very earnest, but instead chose to focus on the goal. Loved it. Loved it that night. Even if they would have lost the series, I would have stood by that, thought it was the greatest thing ever. And they didn't lose another game. They beat them into submission in six. Right. And I think... Boys didn't even come to St. Louis after game five in San Jose. Said, ah, we'll stay back here, huh? Now, I think that... In a lot of situations, a lot of coaches would go crazy on something like that, and rightfully so. It was crazy, but focusing on the goal, there would be a situation where a canned answer is is the better way of handling things. In what uh, situations? Yeah, hold on a second. I just can't because now you're doing the thing that you know you I don't like. On the building false a pre- building an argument off a false premise. I am certain that he was clear with his team inside the room as to what happened because the team also. Uh, took his approach and their answers to the media, and specifically around Petrangelo that night in May in 2019. Um, so that's different than how you communicate with your team, how you communicate with the media. Sure, yeah, and I get that. Okay. And I get that, but uh, so you would almost always prefer the earnest response as opposed to the candidate. Is, is, a, is a, somebody seeking entertainment? Sure. Right. Um, yeah, but... I understand the reason for the canned answer because right. I mean I I don't know if it was in the ESPN the captain on Derek Jeter he said something along the lines of my goal and my responsibility is to win and so you don't want to enter anything into the equation that will take time and effort away from the goal and tending to something on Twitter mm-hmm. or in the New York Post takes time away from winning and therefore, that's why you guys got canned answers, which I completely understand. It also made him boring as far as an interview goes, but I understood it. It would have been more entertaining if he would have gone off half-cocked, but I totally understand the reasoning behind it. Yeah. Am yeah. I making myself clear? No, I get what you're saying. That Crystal. That sometimes coaches portray themselves one way in a press conference room and conduct themselves other ways. Bill Belichick goes into some kind of different world when he handles the questions. Yeah, no, absolutely. Saban, Saban, actually, Saban can be a banty rooster. Right, it kind of depends on his mood, but Belichick, almost across the board, is very much extremely monotone 
and does, wants to give as little as possible. Whereas I now I feel like the the in vogue thing in college football is to create that kind of bulletin board theatrics. Brian Kelly's fake homecoming in Columbia, Missouri. Yeah, every Pac-12 team that plays Colorado. <laughs> Lee Corso and Lou Holtz have yeah. got us raging. Right, so I kind of feel like uh, coaches are feeling... Quick to fire, I would say. Quick to fire as opposed to maybe, I don't know. It's tough Thin-skinned to coaches and bulletin board material. The 2023 college football season. Yeah, that has been the uh, that has been the theme for sure. 1048 in St. Louis. We got a break. Uh, Clarkson Jewelers time check here on Balloon Party on 101 ESPN and on YouTube. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. Final segment of Bloom Party for the week. Does that hurt? It hurts me. All right. Does that hurt you in the audience? Be honest with me. 314-399-9646 or just say something in the YouTube chat. Got these uh, Airlines Team Studio cameras on YouTube. All right. Pastry Chef me Messman, AB, Jackson Sports Management Professor's in there? Hmm. What up? Good dude. Really good dude. Yeah, well, they're all talking it over YouTube, uh, 101 ESPN channel. Jackson, what do we have here for this Little Petals Angry Beaver Friday Six Shooter? Well, I got a question and I got some sound. Because they got a shuttle now to Blues Games for tomorrow night against the Kraken right here on 101 ESPN. Yes, sir. Just go to the Angry Beaver, enjoy yourself some delicious food and drink, and then shuttle on down to the airport. Well, that's center. perfect. That yeah. might be the move. That's that might money. be the move. I think it is the They're doing that for every home game? I believe that is the case. Yes, Ew. sir. How do you like us now? Uh, so I got a question and I got some audio to go along with okay. it. It's good. It's good. It's like an audio daily double. Yep. The saga between Orlando Arcia and Bryce Harper has been one at the top of the sports headlines in recent days. What do you make of all of this? Do you think Jake Mintz, who reported on Arcia's comments in the clubhouse, was out of bounds to report that publicly? The Braves catcher said that the clubhouse is a sanctuary and stories like this make players less inclined to speak to the media. What do you make of all of this? And we also have some audio from Alana Rizzo on MLB Network's High Heat with Mad Dog Russo talking about this very situation. Let's uh, play the Alana Rizzo audio. Uh, I, I have to tell you, uh, a lot. You know, we have we, we we're in an era of takesmiths. Boy, howdy! And uh, what you do is you yell. Mm. You don't necessarily believe what you're saying, but you're just trying to stay uh, employed in a business in which you really most of the time have no leverage, and you're fighting for your life. <laughs> so you create a character, and you become Ric Flair in front of the microphone with uh, that cute little Mean Gene Oakland. I was just about to bring that up. Yeah, Mean Gene. <laughs> Uh, but Alana Rizzo doesn't fall in, in my mind anyway into the category of a takesmith, and yet she was takesmithing with uh, Mad Dog. Take a listen here. Oh boy. Uh oh, Jackson. Round two. I'm out, and I am so irritated with all of these people, these bloggers or podcasters or, or not even reporters, not even journalists going into the clubhouse. You're ruining it for the rest of us. The guys that come in in the postseason and don't have any clue of, of the pulse of the team and, the, and it's making it worse for the people that are there every single day covering this team on a daily basis and then some comes in at the end of the season that gets a credential, God only knows why. And take the clubhouse is a sacred space. And I remember I've been in clubhouses for the last 16, 17 years. I remember I would go in there, get my job done and get out. That is their space. For, so for this idiot to go in there and take something out of context just to make him give himself a name is ridiculous. And I completely understand what Travis Darno is saying. I completely understand what Kevin Gossman is saying. You guys can throw up the tweets right now about Kevin Gossman, what he was saying about the fact that they should be allowed to talk in their own clubhouse. 
Clubhouse. Now, there are non-media areas in Clubhouses. I understand that. But that's ridiculous. You have to have some sort of decorum intact. If you're going to be lucky enough to cover a Major League Baseball team or a professional team, this is what Kevin Gossman had to say. It's ridiculous us players have to watch out, watch what we say in our clubhouse. And you know what? He's absolutely right. That is their space. It is not a space to go in there and linger around and watch their televisions and, and you know, just kind of, you know, hang out, out in there. That's not your space. Some of you all mad. All I'm saying is that you should not be allowed to quote a player or say you heard something like this in the clubhouse when you, the reporter, are not talking to that player. First of all, this guy, Jake Mintz, that's not even a reporter. That's taking away from true reporters and, to, and true journalists. Where were you on the random Tuesday in April in Cincinnati when this team was playing in Cincinnati? Where were you on a rain delay and you, you have to sit like in me. the press box for all of this time? Yeah. It's, it's yeah. ridiculous. You sound like me. Uh, okay, Atlanta Rizzo. I don't know. She, uh, she was fired up about Jake Mintz. Now, he works for Fox Sports. Right. So she was discrediting him. Listen, here, here's my overall thing, because I know we, uh, we have a handful of moments left on this topic. I think what she was saying, actually, from somebody who was in the Cardinal clubhouse for a number of, number of years, in the Blues locker room for a number of years, and the Rams were here, and other teams over the years, you understand that you will see and hear things. Now, it might be different now. I have to say that. It might be different now. But, I mean, Steve Klein would go out of his way to show me his ween nearly every time I was in the Cardinal clubhouse. And he'd go, hey, McKernan. And then even after like the 50th time, I would turn around and there he go, flying squirrel. <laughs> That's what you want a reliever. <laughs> it is. Yeah. You want that and you want him to flip off the manager when, yeah. he's, when he is, as he said the next day on our show, dry humped by Tony LaRusso. Call that passion. Uh, Mark McGuire uh, and Edmonds would play little games with. I mean, it, it, it's it's you just kind of understood the deal. I, I guess I could have gone on the radio or on television and reported it, but you you had an understanding of what was there for the interview purpose and what was there for off the record. Mm-hmm. Now, by the letter of the law, by the letter of the law, by the CBA, it is on the record when you are in there. It is on the record. I think what Alana Rizzo was saying, actually, the content of what she was saying has merit. I would take issue. I don't take issue, isn't right? Because I don't really take issue as much. <laughs> Soften that a little. <laughs> I would disagree with her approach because calling somebody, if we had to bleep it off, even yeah. though it was on MLB Network, a J off. Yeah. Uh, and yet we played it in its entirety on TMA. And we're like, nah, nobody will care. Here, here we bleeped it out. And an idiot, it does a disservice to her message. And man, she was really worked up about it. And also discrediting him takes away from what I think she was trying to say, which is he didn't expect it to be out there. Now, with that all said, the overall topic, you know, is turned into totally results-oriented thing. It wasn't a big deal that he said, boy Harper, that he got doubled off until Harper hit two home runs. Right. If one believes that Bryce Harper really hit the ball hard because of Orlando Arcia's comments... You know, I, I I would respectfully disagree with you. Yeah, I got Bruce you effing J off idiot. <laughs> it's just a results-oriented story to create a little, you know, topic that gets people going. A little October drama. But if I were in that spot, it's not something that I personally would have reported. But at the same time, I was in these clubhouses in the early 2000s. And maybe now with Twitter and phones, it's a totally different thing. So I have to... 
be aware of that. I don't think it's that big of a deal. I'm surprised Alana Rizzo is that upset about it, but maybe this this hits close to home for, for some particular reason. I don't know. I appreciate her opinion because I don't think she's take-smithing to get a job. Right. That is my official position, Jackson. And I guess it's 11 o'clock, so we got to go. Time to shut her down. All right. It's the weekend. Uh, fight Tiger, beat Wildcat, go Tiger, beat Wildcat, go Blue Note, beat Kraken. Anything else you want to say? Yeah. Beat Wildcat, beat Kraken, fire up piddles. Wow. So, so wonderful. It was like I was listening to JFK deliver a speech right there. Yeah. No, I'm similar. Someone builds. <laughs> Time to shut it down. Uh, for Action Jackson, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been Balloon Party driven by Mungana, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN and on YouTube. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.